As you can probably tell from my accent, I am from south of here on Nolansville Road. But I really want to pick up the story where I uh, came in on a greyhound, which was not a trip from heaven, coming into Nashville, Tennessee from Dallas, Texas. See, um, seven months beforehand, before being on that greyhound, I was spending every morning before this book I'd never read before called a Bible. And it uh, led to seven months of weeping and crying out for forgiveness, healing, hope. I didn't lose everything in homelessness. I lost everything at a place of inward destruction. I was completely lost and broken. I felt like a car that had taken off on the cliff and the steering wheel was in my hands, but there was nothing of any sense of control. A sense of panic. That's what brought me to that book. I woke up one morning, um, not to sound like, uh, spook anybody out and sound like I'm crazy, that comes later. It was just this, it was just this sense of go read the book. I opened up the book and um, it wasn't a safe place for me because it was full of, of things I had to find out. And I lost my career, my clothing, my family, down to my toothbrush. Seven months, every morning I would open this book up and weep and weep and hope it was a friday morning around 9 a.m this is where you can find out the good stuff here it was around 9 a.m and i was yelling in this basketball court that i'd spent the seven months all by myself indoor basketball court i was crying out in this gym to whatever or whoever i thought god was what else do you want from me? There's nothing left. See, my soul was so close to death, it was like on a dental floss. I don't know if anybody knows what that feels like. I hope you never do, but if you do, I'm talking to you. It was so devastating. Colors had lost any sense of life. Everything had become cardboard. What else do you want from me? And then fire came the sensation of fire. I had a sound in my ears, like the sound of a welder's torch. It lasted in my ears for a day and a half. Everything looked superheated, like when you look at a campfire and everything wobbles at the landscape behind, everything was looking like that. And the sense of fire that was on my skin, but nothing hurt. It was just the sensation. And then most of this, what comes next, I keep to myself. But he does speak. And he gave me to come to Nashville. What I didn't know was I was going to be homeless. See, coming into Nashville, I didn't do any research. I didn't want anybody to think that this guy had it all together in any way, shape, or form. See, because I felt clean. I felt, I know what reborn means. I know what to have your mind cleansed and your heart cleaned. 
I know what it feels like. I didn't grow up in church. I'm not coming from that place. I'm coming from the encounter. And so to come into Nashville not doing any, any study of it or, 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 or having an idea what I'd be showing up in, I'm coming on that Greyhound, no money, one-way ticket, clothes that I'm wearing, and the Bible. And I look downtown, I'm like, please speak to me audibly. Nothing. Come on, God, I know you can speak. Nothing. Who am I supposed to meet? Nothing. And I look downtown Nashville as we bend the corner, and there's the Lifeway building with a cross. And I went, you kidding me, right? You send me to a city where the cross is in the middle of it. This is amazing. Okay, where am I going to go? No idea. I spent the night in a greyhound. The next morning, I met a homeless man. The homeless man told me about something called a mission just around the corner. I thought, you're amazing, God. I got no money for even bus fare. And there's a place that's just around the corner that he says he'll give me some food and a bed. That's awesome. That's great. What's a mission? So he says, I'll show you. We walk around the corner and I walk in the gate and I see the dirt and the despair and the hopelessness. And I went, Jesus, I know you're real, but what are you doing? I'm going to die here. Then the homeless man said, come on, I'll take you to the downtown library where the rest of the homeless hang out. And I went, oh, my God, I'm homeless. A lot of point, at this point, a lot of people go, well, you show up in Nashville with no money, idiot. Get what you deserve. I really hope somebody thinks that. I really do. I really do. Because that, you're the one I'm talking to. Because I want you to know God is real. I had no idea. I gotta, I'm, I'm going to fast forward a lot of this stuff. But Living amongst the poor, the first time you would have met me, if you had met me, I would have been very nice to you because I know Jesus. I was, ooh, I was feeling him. But you're invisible on the street. Homelessness is a desert experience. You watch people go and have meals with their family. They go off to Subway and have meals with their friends while they're doing a business meeting and they've got jobs to do and you're in a fishbowl. That's what it feels like. Where's your identity? You're suddenly not what you do. So what's left? Every day there was a chipping on the inside and I'd be hanging out with the poor and hanging out with the poor and I'd be wishing just to get out of this. Please God, get out of this. Get me out of this. And then I'd find myself standing in the lines with them. And then I began to smell like them. And then I began to feel the need with them. And then I'd have to get a toothbrush from anywhere that I could with them. And then they became friends. And then they became family. And then I began to see God in the poor. See, if I give you 20 bucks, you would go, oh my gosh, you know, this guy with a funny accent, he just gave me 20 bucks. You give that to a lot of the homeless people and they say, hey, you won't believe what God did today. It's amazing. In fact, to tell the guys there are certain colors of the rainbow you do not get unless you deal with the poor. And I, over that period of time, I began to see the beauty of God's presence 
and care and consideration amongst the poor until I had a second conversion. In my heart, I said, Lord, if you want me to live amongst the poor for the rest of my life, I will. And you can't fake surrender. You can say whatever you I'm good, God. I'm good. I got this. I've learned my lesson. Moving on. But he looks into the heart and he sees. And at the moment, I knew that I had found peace in my situation. Within uh, less than a week, someone called Thomas Oglesby uh, came from Fleming Steakhouse to do community service. See, in the morning, I would just help out in the mission because I didn't know what else to do. I just wanted to give back. In the afternoon, I would chase Jesus anywhere he was. I would chase him to your house if I could. You probably wouldn't have wanted that. But it's true. I wanted to tell you about God. Because I didn't grow up with him. I didn't know about church. I just knew God was real. And I knew how good it felt. And I wanted it for everybody. So Thomas, working at Flamings, he comes in on community service. And within a little while of working with me, he just said, you seem like a decent guy. You want a job? And I'm like, I don't know. Do I want a job, God? I started as a prep cook and a day cleaner. I'm leaving out so many miracles because I don't have time. And I would love to meet with you and share. And I would love to hear your stories. But um, I started as a prep cook and a day cleaner at Fleming's. Within a few months, they gave me the keys to the restaurant because they saw the grace upon my life. A little bit later after that, I was being flown to different parts of the country to train up opening crews for brand new Fleming's Steakhouse stores. And eventually I became the second chef in charge of the Nashville store on West End, which is a $5 million a year store at the time. What do I tell you next? We never gave up helping the homeless. We never gave up on feeding the homeless. I'm leaving out a lot of stories. We opened up an outreach with a Presbyterian church which said, Yes, you can bring them in. They can stay at a basketball court. Six of them, sure, no problem. But they never said no to the 96 that kept coming. It was awesome. But I found something amazing was that there was still a sense of hopelessness in taking care of the food, taking care of a place to stay, but they still felt hopeless. So the idea was, hey, I've been at Fleming's for eight years at this point. Why don't we start a restaurant to train up the opening, uh, train up and give uh, uh, these guys a sense of hope with a new job? So we found this hole in the wall on 12th Avenue South. My friend Terry found it. On 12th Avenue South at that time, you were not going for a jog, you were running. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm talking about at that time and uh but i walk in and terry my friend terry who found it she said brett come on god said it's going to be a city on a hill and i was like really okay we got no money this is funny the walls were holes in the uh holes in the walls were windows the holes in the floor was a toilet there was about three feet of burned out wood everywhere there was nothing to codes it was a wreck a complete wreck and she said yeah i'll take about three months I said, okay, you said you heard from God. Okay, it didn't take three months, it took nearly three years. And in that time, Terry 
was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. We didn't know where the money was coming from. We didn't take a loan. We didn't know who to ask. We just kept chipping away, doing what we could. Two and a half years in, the restaurant almost was finished. I couldn't believe that, but there was still this sense of not opening, and I didn't quite understand the resistance. And I was standing at the front door because they told me, Terry might not make the opening. I said, God, I was all by myself again. Why has this been so hard? If there's sin in me that's stopping the opening, let's deal with it because I want my friend to see it if you're going to take a home. And he spoke again. He said, what do you think? And I said, it's beautiful because I remembered the wreckage. I remember the holes in the wall and the holes in the floor and the burnt-out wood and the decimated destruction. I remembered it. And he said, what did some of the people say? And I took lawyers, I took pastors, I took smarter people than me to give me counsel. And I said, some of them said it was too far gone and it would cost too much and it would take too long. And he said, what do you think? And I said, it's beautiful. And he said, so it will be with the souls that I send here. Some people will say, too far gone, cost too much, and take too long, but I'm going to make them beautiful. And that's what he's been doing. We've had people delivered from crack addiction for 13 years. We've had people delivered from horror of, of losing their family. All their family in one car wreck. He couldn't sleep, and he drunk himself into a 125-pound stupor when he was six foot one, and he's now 200 pounds. But the point is... God takes the wreckage, if you'll give it to him, and he will take that ash and he will give you beauty. And if there's anything that I can give from this story, is that I just told you the truth. The best way I know how. The cookery is a a working cafe where we make food art, and these people that perhaps destroy things with their hands make something beautiful, and someone goes... You did this. And it immediately gives them a sense of hope for their life. A hope and a future. It's a five-month program. At the end of it, they get management level, uh, serve safe certified, which is nationally recognized, I believe. A food safety program. We give them a, a professional grade knife chef uh, set. And we try and connect them to uh, restaurants around unless we, we hire them. When you guys come and support us, we also have houses that we put them in. We pay for medicine. We pay for clothing. And we don't get a government grant. It's all being God. We owe no one. It's all His. And when you come in there, you can feel Him. It's been a joy sharing this with you. I'd love to share much. Oh, by the way, I started where it happened in a basketball court. And I will tell you, when we were doing the outreach, it looked like a FEMA operation, just these beds everywhere. And as I was walking in there, it was about to close because there was another church buying, and there's too much to go into. All I can tell you is the Lord 
gave me, as I was walking through the beds, he gave me, you're back in a basketball court again. And I got so pumped. I thought, oh my gosh, Nashville's going to get 100 people on fire with the, with the Spirit of God. This is going to be great. One man got it. And he's now a shift leader at the cookery, changing men's lives. If one of you get this story, then it was worth me standing on this stage. If you feel out of control, if you feel your soul is that close, if you feel lost, if you feel hopeless, I would love to talk to you. In Jesus' name, thank you for letting me talk to me. Thank you.